This is the Sales Development Podcast, hosted by David Delaney, powered by Tenbound. My name is James Bodden, here to introduce episode 201, featuring Ollie Whitfield, growth marketer over at VanillaSoft. And this episode is for the cold emailers. We get going right away. This episode gets tactical and practical as David asks Ollie to share his expertise on five email frameworks and how Ollie and his team came up with these frameworks. Ollie dives in on what him and his team did to build these types of frameworks, the research that went into this and why Ali and his team decided to stay away from focusing on email templates. Now, Ali gets crystal clear on the difference between a template and an email framework. The beginning of this episode as we get going is just so valuable to anybody focused on cold email doing any sort of outreach. At the 15 minute mark, David and Ali discuss the importance of time management when it comes to crafting these emails. And Ali gives a really specific answer around how much time you should be spending on each one of your emails. At the 35 minute mark, David and Ali discuss the details of Ali's frameworks and the power of visualization in these emails. Ali is walking us through each one of his five email frameworks one by one. As the episode wraps up at the 50 minute mark, Ali and David discuss relevancy in cold email outreach and go over some really key do's and don'ts for cold email. Look, as I said at the beginning, this episode is for the cold emailers. Anybody doing any sort of email outreach has to tune into this fantastic episode. If you enjoy it, don't forget to head over to 10bound.com, leave us a rating, and now enjoy episode 201 of the Sales Development Podcast featuring Ali Whitfield, growth marketer over at VanillaSoft. Enjoy. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I'm David Delaney, your host. I'm joined today by Ollie Whitfield, my esteemed colleague and growth marketer over at VanillaSoft. Ollie, how are you doing today? Very good to be with you, my man. I've listened to this podcast way too many times, and now it's the pressure is on because now it's my fault if you know I've let you down. So I'm going to try my best. This will be good fun. No pressure, no pressure at all. And I mean, it's later in the day, right? Is it like four or five? It's just gone six, so I'm all good. I've had some food. I'm feeling good. Ready yeah, to go. I mean, you can crack open a cold beverage and relax a little bit because it's still 11 o'clock here, so we got to... Well, you still can, but I probably wouldn't. But <laughs> I, I might in a bit. Well, good, man. Well, thank you for coming on the show. You've got some email frameworks that you shared with me, I was absolutely blown away. And I was like, we have got to share this with the group. These are things that you can use immediately, no matter what industry you're in or who you're going after and really accelerate your progress. So tell us about these. How did you come up with these? And let's run through them. Well, first of all, I take zero credit. Absolutely zero. (laughs) So my team here, we're trying to look at our email performance and you know, it's like your sales team, you want to improve your, you know, top of funnel, all that stuff. And we looked at our emails and we're like, yeah, you know, we could be doing better, but how actually would we do that? So you go and consume a lot of advice and it's all reasonably speaking, the same sort of stuff. You, you know, there's always brevity. There's always like different templates and that stuff. I thought, you know what? The last time I read a sales book, 
there was a couple of templates in it. I am fairly sure I've seen them sent to myself a fair few times. I'm not even a C-level exec. I'm not a VP. I'm not a director. I'm not even the main person who's going to get hit up in my company. I have marketing in my title. It probably means I get a fair few. But you know, if I'm seeing that, probably buyers who are really senior, they are getting a lot of that. So that's why templates fail. Point blank. Everyone's seen them before. They kind of encourage like no thought behavior. Frameworks, on the other hand, do encourage good behavior. They're like a way of starting, but they don't tell you exactly what to do. They show you roughly how you should do it. And then it's up to you. And that's where your like creativity, your personal side can actually come out. That's where you get personalization. That's where you get really clever. So I looked into it and I just thought, no one ever talks about frameworks. What are the best frameworks? I don't even know. So I went on Google, to be honest, and I found about 100. And I went through them and I just found the best five that I liked. So now I have a list of five. And I live and die by them. So when I'm talking to our reps, I'm like, look, guys, you can freestyle like I do when I write my emails. Sometimes you hit the mark, sometimes you won't. You can write with a framework. You'll probably hit the mark more often than you won't because you're being told roughly what to do. And over time, you become unconsciously competent at using it. So currently, I end up writing what is Josh Braun's TTTT type of email. I've written it so many times. That's what I do by default now. That's not always good because I shouldn't mix it up, but I've become unconsciously competent at that, not the other ones. But that's better than me freestyling where I could go way too long in my email. I could forget a trigger event. I could go way too long in the personalization or whatever, and that leads to bad results. So that is where I started. So I want to know from your perspective, is that talked about very much, the frameworks thing? Because I've never really heard that. Yeah, And just to clarify, so you went through this, but what's the difference between a template and a framework? If someone's you know, unsure about what they're using now. Template is pretty much a pre-written email, almost down to the wording, and you would just update a couple of bits. So stuff like it could be, I would update your title. If I was reaching out to you versus the previous prospect and the next one, I might update your company. You might be referencing something like, I see that you are hiring SDRs, right? And then the next prospect, it'll be, you're hiring AEs. Yeah, very minor difference. It's the same email, to be honest, but just tiny little things. A framework is no wording, just telling you roughly how to structure it. So it'll be something like, normally you start with high name, but the rest will be, the first line is one trigger event, just one line. And then the second bit could be two lines and it's A. And then the next bit is B and then you have call to action. So it's telling you, sort of dictating what you should be doing, not how exactly to say it so that you just default to that and you just change the minimal amount and then you send it. Okay. So, and ideally, like, you know, five to 10 years ago, you could get a marketing automation, you know, program and have a token in there that pulls the first name out of the database, press a button and send the template to, you know, hundreds of people at a time. But with a framework, you've got the overall and you've got some examples. Let's dive into these. You've got the overall framework that you look at, then you have to spend the time to research and make sure that you're hitting the points in the framework, right? Yeah, so I'll bring up my screen real quick and I nearly put the wrong one up there. That would have been a good start. So I have five and I'll make it very, very quick to go through just each of them because we do have examples. So as I said about Josh's one, the TTTT one, that's one of my favorites, just personally because I like it and it's four of the same letters, that's easy for me. There's AIDA or you could say ADA, that is extremely common probably been used for hundreds of years in 
like newspapers, magazines, billboard ads, everything. And then probably lesser known is PAS, which we'll get into, BAB, also kind of similar, and ACCA, which is fairly similar to a couple of the other ones. You want me to go right into an example and we'll try and yeah. get it back? Yeah. And so this podcast is also audio. So if you go through an acronym, let's speak it out for everybody so that they know what that means. Yeah. Let's dive in. Okay. So a TTT email. So just to divulge what the letters mean. So first T is trigger event. Second T is third party validation. Next one is teach me. The next one is tell me. That's Josh Braun's one. So for example, the trigger event, probably anybody could tell you what that looks like. It could be David's hiring SDRs. David's got this event. David's got A, B, and C, right? Something that we noticed, a topical, relevant, new thing that happened, which is of note to him and his job and his company. The third-party thing, that's pretty common. We always get that. Most of the time, it's something like, we work with companies like HP and Oracle. We've all seen that before. So it's name-dropping of clients, hopefully ones that are somewhat alike the prospect that you're reaching out to. The teach me and the tell me are quite similar together. It's The teach me part is more, it threads the needle between the third-party validation and the call to action. So it's instead of just saying, you know, David's hiring SDRs, I can help him with the training. Do you want to book a meeting? That's a little bit cold. There's a bit of a gap there. So the teach me part is about easing that. It's sort of elaborating on why potentially it might be useful for me to help you. So just to go through my example on screen, I'll, I'll read it nice and slow for anybody on audio. This is one that I wrote for my CRO. And yeah, I've kind of gone to town on him here. So I've gone Daryl and the trigger event goes, notice your sales team has changed a little since you took over a CRO. So that's very, I've had to research him to find that out. That's an event. That's He's changed the job. Things have changed within his team. So that's very applicable to him. The third party validation is the next sentence, which goes, we're helping growing SaaS companies like you, Gong, and LeadIQ to regain control of sales performance. So we're saying, you know, we've got clients within your field, within sales tech, basically. The next line is the teach me part, which is, wondered if you ever want more visibility into each rep's activity and making sure they hit the right leads first. So we're saying that we help Gong and LeadIQ and others. How kind of do we do that without going into massive detail that's the point there and the last part is to tell me interested in learning some more so i'm telling him look what do we do next well we talk we learn more about how so what are you thinking mr delaney what comes yeah. to mind when i read that out oh this is amazing i think the key points of this is if you can nail the trigger event like the trigger event is something that's relevant and happening you know that's top of mind for the person receiving the email and then do the other companies really look like me? The closer I think that you can get to that, the better. And then the call to action is, you know, in the tell me, are you interested in learning more? That moves it to the next step. So I'll give you an example. So right now we have our virtual conference coming up and, you know, we need to get the word out and get, you know, the conference in front of people and then also get them to register. And so, you know, perfect example would be if somebody knew that about me and that's what was, you know, keeping me up at night, quote unquote, then it's like, hey, I noticed that you have a conference coming up. We work with and then put in a couple similar companies to 10 bound. And then I'm like, okay, cool. So they are familiar with our space. 
And then would you like to get more people to register for your conference? Yes, absolutely. Interested? Yes. Let's set up a call, you know? So, but it's like on the flip side, if this came and it was like the trigger event was off, it's not something that I'm working on right now or I care about. And then they put in like, Hey, we work with, you know, I don't know, Walmart and like, you know, some other companies that have nothing to do with what we do right there. It's like next. Yeah, I'm with you. But I think your question about what's the difference between a framework and a template is you can see a couple of subtle things in this one in a couple of the lines. So the first line, the trigger event, notice your sales team has changed a little since you took over as CRO. So that could be pretty formulaic especially if you're reaching out to a lot of people who are now potentially new sales leaders. You know, there's nothing special or groundbreaking there. Things have changed since you took over as job. But what's a little bit different is the first part of the sentence is about things have changed a little. So that doesn't necessarily mean I've gone and Googled the fact that you're hiring three reps or, you know, is it four reps or is it one rep? It's just things have changed a bit. You've hired, there's people who have come and go. There's like less people in the team compared to a year ago but you've got like three new people. It's safe to say things have changed. So that's not necessarily templatized, but that's allowing me to say, hmm, I'm not just going to say you've got three new reps because it's a bit more interesting than that. So I don't have to just pigeonhole myself and say, yep, I found my nugget. It's He's hiring two reps. And that's what I'm going to say to everyone. You can be a little bit more inventive of that. Or for example, the third party bit, we're helping growing SaaS companies like you, Gong, Lead IQ. That bit is pretty much templatized. You probably don't need to change that. You may change the companies that you're referencing, potentially if, if the prospect's in a different market and you have clients that are like them. But the last part, to regain control of sales performance, if that's not really what I talked about in the trigger event, I could change that very easily. So that, again, is sort of templatized, but not. You might say, if my trigger event was about hiring SDRs, my third-party validation sentence would end with something like to ramp the new SDRs instead of to regain sales performance. So it is templatized, but not. I think a framework just allows you to think a bit more and say things that could be a little bit more relevant. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, the time consuming part is trying to find the trigger event and find the third party validation that's relevant specifically to the person that you're reaching out to. And that, you know, it just takes time and you got to do it one by one. And you might spend a lot of time on the email and not get any response. So I guess what you're saying is you don't necessarily have to do all that research because there's some sort of evergreen triggers and third-party validation that you can put in there that's almost like a template. Yeah. And in fairness, if you're going to write this specific email, you probably had to go and find the list of those new-ish sales leaders and their title. And then you've got somewhat of an idea of what market they're in, what types of company they're at. So you know loosely what the third-party validated companies are to mention. So they may or may not change, or if they do change, it's probably not you know, drastic. It's not going to be like a pharma company to a sales tech company to a government type of company. You know, it's just If your list is good, then you've got not too many variables there. And then again, it's just a case of, okay, prospect number one, he's the VP of sales. Okay, what is that company doing? Prospect number two, she's the director of sales. What is that company doing? And then you just go through it like that. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's always the balance is like, how much time do I spend 
you know, crafting this perfect email that may be the perfect email that gets them to respond in some way. But, you know, it's kind of balancing the time spent versus the possibility of landing a meeting. So this is good. All right, dude, you want me to move on to another one? Let's do it. Yeah. What else you got? Okay. So AIDA or ADA is pretty common. You will have seen this used no matter who you are. You just may not have noticed it because you've not been told exactly what the technique was. So AIDA means attention, interest, desire, and action. And no doubt you've seen this a million plus times in your life. Absolutely. You have seen it a million times. So my example goes something like Daryl and my attention grabber on the first line is notice you're hiring five new sales reps. So that one, you might say, you know, that looks a lot like a trigger event. It is. It's just the way the framework is done. I didn't invent it, but there you go. They're very similar, some of them in different ways. So the second line, which is my interest grabber, it's wondered if you wanted to hit a new tactic that we're using to train them to beat core reluctance. And my next line is the desire part. So that's nobody likes making a ton of calls, but clearly it's important to a healthy pipeline and happy CRO because of that. And the last line, my call to action or or the A action, would it make sense for a 15 minute chat next week? And if you're not interested after three minutes, we can leave the call right there. So not massively different to the previous one, but you'll notice, so attention is fairly close to a trigger event. It's a bit more standardized. You're hiring five salespeople. Okay, moving on. The probably the most important part of this email, particularly or this example, at least, is the interest part. So like you said before, there can be trigger events that are accurate, relevant, and important to you and your job and your company and what you're trying to achieve. Okay, that's you know not extremely difficult to get. If you're not knitting the gap between that and what I'm trying to do with you, it just comes off really bad. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't flow very nice. It feels jarring to read it. So if I just go, notice you're hiring five sales reps. No one likes making loads of calls because it's difficult. You're like, what? Hold on a second. Where did that come from? So the interest part is really important. So to read it back, wondered if you wanted to hit a new tactic we're using to help train those reps to beat core reluctance. The thought process really is, if he's hiring new people, they're probably going to be making some calls and there's probably a bit of call reluctance. Probably. This is a lot of assumptions, but it's backed on you know, persona of research and all that kind of stuff. Research, interviewing people and just knowing your like, value prop and your persona really well. If that comes up quite commonly, that's what I'm going to go with. The desire part is probably where this email really does win if it's going to. There's a bit of empathy. Nobody likes to make a ton of calls. So we know, you know, being a sales rep, making a load of cold calls, you can get told no, you can get hung up on. All of that can be quite difficult. But it is clearly important to a healthy pipeline. So again, showing empathy to prospect. We get that. You're going to have to push your people to make calls, even if it's not that pleasant. But the last part in, in brackets there, and a happy CRO because of that. That's kind of saying, like, I've got a new tactic, but it'll make you happy because it's helping your team do well. That's where the last part of it, the call to action, hopefully makes sense to them. And my little added little bonus there is 15-minute call. I mean, it's not 30 minutes. It's not 60 minutes. They might say yes to that. A little bit of a novelty, but worth a go. But the last part is, if you're not interested after three minutes, we can leave it right there. I've just been experimenting with that to see how it goes. Rarely do we have to stop at three minutes, to be honest, but it's nice to put it on the table. So what are you thinking about that one, dude? That's a classic, the AIDA, Attention, Interest, Desire, and Action. And this is really interesting because the interest that you're sparking on the part of the person who receives the email, right? So 
you're wondering if they want to hear a new tactic, you're going to share an insight, you're going to share something that's going to help them, you know, to do their job better. And then the desire is basically the hook in that, although nobody likes making a ton of calls, it's clearly important to a healthy pipeline. So then they're like, yes, of course, right? The action is, would it make sense to chat for 15 minutes? If you're not interested after three, we'll leave it right there. So that's the mutual action plan on both. Should we talk about this? Question for you, are there different ways to put action into effect there? Because it could be that the busy executive doesn't want to chat with somebody or even talk to somebody. They just want to solve the problem that they're interested in, call reluctance. And this does sound interesting. I want to be a happy CRO, but I don't want to talk to somebody who just sent me an email for 15 minutes. Are there different ways to get them to you know, interact with us? Look at you asking the difficult question. <laughs> this pro interviewer, I love this. I'm just this. curious. No, no, that's a brilliant question, honestly. I've never been asked about that one before. But what I'd say is you don't really want a whole cadence full of AIDA emails back to back. Like it becomes obvious. And my personal style is I like the TTTT one personally. So if I get that, I might be a little bit more inclined to reply to that style versus a very, very short one or a very long one or a bit of a left field type of email. You definitely want to mix them up. So you should have like one with a, a funny GIF or something at one point. One could have a video in. One could be a quick bump email or something. You've got to sort of try all of the different types to see what messaging lands, to see what type of style lands. And then obviously you're going to be, well, hopefully, you'll be doing a couple of calls in between as well so that you catch them live in the moment. So long way to answer your question there is not all of the frameworks would be asking for time. So the hope is that, you know, in the next one, there'll be the call to action is much more soft. It's like, you know, thoughts on this or, you know, does this sound relevant to you or, you know, those types of things. So instead of it always being time or calendar link or when can we chat, you're mixing that in. And hopefully most emails, you know, if you're going to get a reply, it's probably with the, yeah, it makes sense. Let's chat. And that might happen. But on the ones where you might send this email, you get a couple opens. Probably more likely is if they're interested, you call them and then they say yes then. So I'm, I'm trying not to think too hard about that, though you raise a good point. You probably don't want to go, can we meet? Can we meet? Can we meet? Can we meet? Every single email in a row because it's a bit, a little bit much, but you want to kind of mix them up. Interesting. Yeah, because I kind of, the analogy to this for me is fly fishing. And it's like, if you're familiar with fly fishing, you find a good lure, which is the emails, you lay it down on the top of the water. And, you know, if it's interesting at that point, you know, to the fish, then they'll take a little nibble on it. And it's almost like the action part is, you know, how do you set the hook without, you know, scaring them off or, you know, frightening them away. And so what you're saying is, this is just one in a series of ways to, you know, pick their interest. It's laying it down in the water. And at some point they will take a bite. It could be this, or it could be the next one. Yeah. I'm just reading out the menu to you and, you know, seeing what you like. And if you say, yeah, I'll have that one. Then cool. You can have that one. It's, I've got to try a few different things. And in fairness, a lot of my team here, but of what we're trying to do, We'll pick a couple of topics that we've researched about the company and let's find some one-to-one personalization. So we'll do maybe firmographic stuff like they use a certain technology, they're hiring, they're A, B, and C type of things. And if they don't 
resonate at all. We don't see any engagement. We move on to the next topic. We sort of owe ourselves a couple of tries with different angles and different ways of saying that before we move on and discard that topic as irrelevant to that prospect. So if I just drop this one email once, maybe my call to action was a little bit hardcore for you and you're a bit put off, so you didn't bite then, but it was the right topic. And I'm going to say, hmm, David didn't bite, so I'll try the different topic there. I'll try the next one. But actually, I missed a trick there. So you kind of owe it to yourself to try a couple of different frameworks, at least per person. An art and a science to it. So, and, you know, some people prefer to talk on the phone. Some people do everything over email. Some people only do chat and stuff like that. So there's the prospects have different ways of interacting. Gotcha, man. Want to go on to the next one? Yeah. All right. This one's a little bit shorter. So PAS, problem, agitate, solution. Agitate's the fun part in this one. If you get to agitate, in this case, my CRO, it's always a good laugh. But so it goes, Daryl, ever wondered why one sales rep books less demos compared to others? That's the problem part. So that's very based on the persona research and just knowing who your buyer is going to be. I can imagine a sales leader, that is quite problematic. You're probably a bit annoyed if that is prevalent in your work. If one sales rep books less demos compared to others. Second sentence is the agitate part. So that is... In our experience, it's because they're not disciplined on which leads to follow up with and when. It's a free-for-all and pipeline is in free-fall. <laughs> bit of a tongue twister there for me, to be honest, but there you go. And the last part is solution, which is if you're going through this, would it make sense to talk about how our platform ensures reps can only approach the next best lead? So that one's a bit simpler. Uh, most of these emails are all three to four lines, just give or take, but you can sort of mix and match them, which is sort of the thing to remember at the very end but the problem is kind of well it's there's no trigger event to be honest like this one's fairly archaic it's i know this about you because i know my own persona so you probably have a team of a certain number of reps and if one or some of them are booking less demos compared to others that is probably really annoying that's probably a performance problem that's probably hurt the pipeline that you know at the moment of recording we're a couple of weeks out to the end of the quarter i'd certainly be thinking about that if i was a vp of sales and then as you go on, there's a couple of just little nuggets thrown in. So on the second line, the agitate part, the first way, the first part of the sentence is in our experience, comma. So it's kind of saying like, I'm not saying this is exactly what you're saying. I'm not putting words in your mouth, but we see this and it's because they're not disciplined enough on which leads to follow up with and when. That's our perspective, our spin on what you're seeing. So we're kind of suggesting like, maybe... Your team isn't doing the right stuff in exactly the right way. You're not miles off, but maybe you're just a little bit off and we know a little bit more about that. And then we're kind of agitating on that in the very last part of that sentence. It's a free-for-all and no one wants to be in a free-for-all if they're in a sales team. That is not good. And pipeline is in free-for-all. That's really, really not good. It's getting worse and worse as that sentence goes on. Hopefully not too much, but hopefully the blood pressure is a little bit up and, and the sort of resonance as this email carries on goes up and up too. And the last part is the solution, which is hopefully us. We are the solution. That's why I'm reaching out. And that's why I know what I know about your job. If you're going through this, would it make sense to talk and how we can solve it, basically? The last part, again, is fairly soft. It's not like, can we have a half hour demo tomorrow? But if you're going through this, again, it, this is very much part of a cadence. It's not necessarily accurate. We would believe this to be accurate of a lot of our decision makers here at my company. But it may not be for all of them. Some of them will be flying. You know, Every rep will be on exactly par performance. They'll be brilliant. 
and this messaging will not land. But maybe the topic that we hit on next week, maybe it does. So this is kind of like the middle part of our cadence. And one thing, a couple of observations. One is all of the emails in the frameworks have been short and punchy and to the point. You know, they're maybe three sentences to five sentences only with a lot of white space on the page, which I think is brilliant because sometimes you get those ones that are just, you know, a big block of text and it's really difficult to read. So the other thing about this is, you know, one thing that's been going through all the frameworks is that you have to know the industry, you know, that you're reaching out to and the personas, especially for this one. If you know your persona well, and you know that their top five, you know, pain points that they have or their problems, then you don't necessarily have to spend a lot of time researching and finding one particular trigger point with this. It's just, I know that CROs generally at, you know, software companies have this problem that it's just this evergreen problem that everybody's trying to deal with. We have a good solution for this. And so I'm reaching out. So. Yeah, you're not wrong. This is a nice one to put in the middle of the cadence a bit. Um, we always like to start off really, really, really strong with extremely accurate stuff that's very like company-led, company-specific. You can't really go wrong when you've looked up that specific company and that specific person. You, that's very hard to go wrong. But this one is where it can be wrong, even though we're trying our best. It's just one of those things. Messaging will forever change for every company. There is no way to know you've got it right. So you know, in any of your five problems here that you think you're solving and that you think your buyer persona has, Try over a period of a couple of weeks and, you know, hopefully one of them will land if at least one or more. But, you know, this is kind of like the middle of our cadence where we've tried a couple of things and we're seeing what's next. If we're not quite getting there yet, we're going to try this one and see what we can find. This is great. You know, public service announcement. People hardly spend any time training SDRs on the personas and the problems that those personas are generally trying to solve. And there's a gold mine of information out there that you can work with the team on to be able to train them. If you're out talking about the major problems that your personas are having, and you really understand and are able to frame those for people and you know identify them, if you have a great solution, you're going to get a lot better response in general from the email versus just talking about your solution right at the beginning and hoping for the best. Everybody's got problems, but if they just keep getting notifications about your solution over and over again, it's just, you know, kind of a turnoff. And a lot of that information is on 10bound.com, right? David, did did I get that right? (laughs) That little infomercial right there? As a matter of fact, (laughs) 10bound.com is open 24 hours a day and we're happy to help. It's an excellent service. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's what we do, right? I mean, and like I said, problems are evergreen. We're all trying to deal with problems and we're all trying to solve problems. And your customers are out there and your prospects are out there trying to deal with these issues and you can genuinely help. So it's, you know, learning from an expert like you, Ali, to articulate those in a way that gets them to respond. Well, you're too kind, sir. So I'm going to give you a fourth one, okay? All right, let's do it. Before, after bridge, B-A-B. So again, you could say this is not that different to the previous one. It's just slightly differently done. And you know, if someone wanted to call it B-A-B instead of P-A-S, that's for them. But so my example goes, Daryl, feel sad because your team isn't reaching enough prospects. That's the before part. 
So that's saying that's sort of past tense. Did you feel sad? Do you feel sad because something is happening? But that's again persona research. That's right. VP of sales not reaching enough prospects would probably incrementally mean not enough pipeline. That would make a sales leader feel kind of sad, I would imagine. Next part is the after bit, which is the second line. We're helping sales teams like Paychex hit 3x quota and in brackets, bigger deal sizes too. And then the last part is the bridge part. Would it make sense for us to talk about how blank can unlock your team's potential for new activity? We're showing Ciro is a new tactic that can help. So fairly similar to the PAS one, the problem agitating solution, except it's a bit more time-based. It's kind of saying like, in the near future, this doesn't have to exist anymore. So before it's, you're sad. After 3x quota, the bridge is our new tactic in summary. And you could obviously sub out things like the after part. It's saying we help sales teams like Paychex, or you could sub that out to whatever company is relevant. And also hit 3x quota. It could be reach two times more prospects. It could be, you know, deal with objections twice as well, or, or whatever the thing is. And the little part in brackets just after that end of that sentence is kind of like a little bonus on the end. It's just saying, you know, we got 3x quota, but we also, as a side effect, we also got an extra cool thing, which you might like as well, based on what I know about you. So if, if this was, let's say it's you, David, I'm going to go feel sad because your event didn't go quite as well as you wanted. We're helping teams like you hit double numbers compared to their record attendances to previous events. And the extra bit might be, and they paid more per ticket or something like that. I would imagine you'd be happy at both of those things. And the last part, would it make sense for us to talk? Again, kind of light call, call to action there and a little bit of an explanation of what exactly we might talk about. And the final part of the email is really the bridge. It's we're showing them a new tactic. So basically we're just saying, look, we've got a new thing. You might not know it. It might help. What do you think? I love it. You know, they used to call them infomercials where... <laughs> There would be sort of a sad guy, you know, in a gray, gray screen. And, you know, he's dealing with some kind of issue, usually overweight in some way. (laughs) And then he tries the treadmill and, you know, it's nothing's working. Everything remains very sad and gray. But then everything becomes color. And when he starts using this little doohickey that they're selling on the infomercial, his life improves dramatically. And so there's some, (laughs) there's something, I think the human, you know, tendency to, you know, see yourself in the problem in the before. And so with this one, it's like, if they can see each other, see themselves dealing with the issue that's identified, and then realize that there is a promised land on the other side of working with you, you might get a response. Yeah, it's a little bit of psychology. So if I say to you, David's sad and upset, and then the next minute, David, happy, rich millionaire, you're like, what? How did that happen? That's literally the flow of the email. It's bad, good, how? Yeah, I'd sign up for that immediately if you sent me that. Just so everybody knows that's on the call. Yeah. I mean, one thing you could say is, how would you like to have handfuls of cash you know, it's hard to, I'm kidding. Hard to say no to that, isn't it? <laughs> it is. So this is great. This is great. And I always struggle with the call to action because like you said, we're setting up a flow and it's trying to find a call to action that appeals. And so you could try, if you had five emails set up, each in a different framework, you could try a different call to action in each one and just see if there's one that appeals 
more than others. Is that correct? Yeah, well, that's the beauty of having five. You really don't have to use all five, but you could. So our data, I can't even remember how many calls this analyzed. It was something crazy, like 400 million or something like that. Anyways, on average, it was 10.2 touches across that data pool to get a positive response. So let's say I got these five email templates. I'm halfway there. Maybe I drew a little bump email. Maybe I do a couple of calls. Maybe I do a LinkedIn touch. Over that, I might be getting there. So the odds say, and so the averages say. But equally, you could say, "Mm, maybe that's a bit much because what we were talking about earlier, let's say I've got three or four different topics that I want to hit on and it takes me a couple of weeks to do that. You don't really do like five emails per topic because if I'm not getting anywhere with a couple emails, I probably aren't in the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh, right? So you could just say, well, I like the BAB email. That's kind of good. I can use that. I like the TTTT one. I'll use that. And I probably want to mix in a couple of the others. Clearly, my cat likes these emails. She's jumping all over me trying to get in front of the screen. But, you know, you could mix them up. So over a couple of weeks, you might try two, possibly max three per topic if you're going to do it that way. And then these are just the ones that you pick from instead of doing all of them. But it's nice to have the options rather than trying to freestyle it because that's when I find I get stuck on my follow-up. If I don't know exactly how to say it and just to formulate it, I end up saying too much of my stuff. You know, like when you get the, this is classic, you get a cold email and it's got bullet points, you know, they've just thrown away all of their follow-up because they've said everything that they do. Yeah. And, you know, just little things. If the font is different colors or two different sizes, you can kind of tell where they've been cutting and pasting right into the email. That might be more subtle, but I notice it. Or, I mean, the worst case scenario is if one of the tokens doesn't fire and it says, hello, you know, and a bunch of garbly gook because it didn't pull my name from the database. So you just got to watch out for those little technical things too. Oh, yes. Yeah. No one likes uh, I see you are the job title type of thing doing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think we probably follow the same people on LinkedIn. So it's like we're painfully aware of what not to do. Question for you that I was wondering is, in your experience, who sets up the framework? So say there's an SDR team who's going to be using, in a lot of cases, the company just relies on the SDR team to come up with their own messaging and put it into the sales engagement platform. Should marketing be doing this for us? Is it collaborative? How have you seen that work? Oh, it's a bit of a mix. I do a fair bit of it for us purely because like, it's kind of lucky. I'm a marketer who helps a sales company do sales. So probably in a lot of other situations, that wouldn't be me. I wouldn't be exposed to that information and have the knowledge to help. So that in my isolated case is quite a lot of me. And now we're sort of, the muscle memory's there. So it's not always me. We're always using different templates now on different frameworks. But most of the time, sales leader has a hand in it. Obviously, sales rep has a hand in it. Marketing to a lesser extent. I mean, a lot of probably standardized marketing teams wouldn't have frameworks to hand a lot of emails just get written how they get written to be honest so probably reps who are looking to put in the time and really nail it that sort of thing but i would say yeah you don't really want like the whole team starting from nothing you definitely want a basis to start on which is why a framework is so good because then provided you could tell look use these three use these five and these are the five or two value props that we're going to hit on and these are the personas you're not going to get that much variation in what's done from one rep to the next you will get some obviously and that's good but you don't want it to be really violently different where one rep's like completely freestyling writing a freaking essay 
And the next one's just writing the same damn email every single time to every single prospect, no matter what. You want a, like a healthy balance in the middle. So difficult one to answer, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we're recording this and it's going to be posted. So it, go back and, you know, grab some of these frameworks, try them. And, you know, a lot of sales is very entrepreneurial, right? So a lot of it is do it yourself and cobbling together the different resources that you have at the company and, you know, using an overall framework and then doing the legwork yourself. So yeah, super valuable. All right. I got one last one. And then uh, I think you're going to have to call time on me, aren't you? Let's see what you got. All right. So fairly similar to one of the previous ACCA. So that's awareness, consideration, comprehension, and action. Most of them, the the call to action is fairly similar, to be honest. So so my example goes, Daryl, and the awareness part is, are you aware that new HubSpot data found more meetings are being booked by SDRs this quarter using cold calls? The consideration bit is the next line, and that is, wondered how cold calling works right now for your team. The comprehension part is, truth is, cold calling is about the right prospect at the right time. Otherwise, it can be a lottery. The last part of the action piece is, would it be worth us talking about a new approach to cold calling my team is using and helping top SaaS companies implement right now? So fairly simple again. Awareness is kind of, this piece you haven't really seen too much of in the previous frameworks. So the awareness is, we've seen something in industry. We have an insight, a particular belief, something that we believe to be true, which might be of use to you. So saying something like HubSpot data, most people know HubSpot in this sort of market. Most people trust HubSpot. You could say Salesforce, you could say Tenbound, you could say other providers who have good quality information and are known well. And they're saying that more meetings are being booked from SDRs using cold calls. So that's them. That's not me. The consideration part is, I wondered how that's working for you. And the reader, hopefully, is considering, huh, are my team booking more calls this quarter from cold calls or are they not? Are we above, behind, in the middle compared to that data? I don't know. And the comprehension is where you sort of dig into a bit more. We're saying, truth is, cold calling can be a little bit of a lottery. It can be. So you're kind of expanding upon that. And the action is, look, we've got a new way that might be able to help you make it less of a lottery. That's a little bit like the agitation part in the PAS one, the problem agitating the solution. We're kind of saying, are you aware of this problem that you might be having based on what other credible people are saying? If it is a problem that you have, it might actually get worse, maybe. And we've got a way to help you out. So it's a bit of a hybrid, to be honest. But what do you think of that one? Because I particularly haven't been exposed to anybody saying something like, what data says this in any prospect emails. But I think I would like that. It's sort of, it's not them saying, this is how the world is. It's people that I know and trust saying how the world is and them expanding on that. One thing that a lot of SDRs and AEs don't realize is that they're going from company to company, working with a lot of different companies, and they bring a breadth of information about the overall industry that the prospect is just heads down, you know, working on the problems that they have. And they're really laser focused in on their own company. And they're hungry for the awareness of what's going on at a wider level insights from data providers and different reports that have come out. So I think this is, and I hardly see this at all, that awareness at the beginning is something you can really leverage. And then I like also how it's the comprehension is, you know, it could potentially, if you're blindsided by this, you know, it could get worse. So 
we need to talk as soon as possible. So this one is really powerful. The only time I've seen the awareness thing where you're referencing a third party, whenever that's gone wrong, that I've seen it and it's not been that often that I have seen it. It's when, like, no disrespect to the companies that have been mentioned here, it's not them, it's the person that's saying it. It's always something really, like, kooky and boring sounding, like the information security Gartner report or something that's just miles away from my brain. So something like HubSpot or Salesforce, to me, in my job, in my company, that's more like it. That's like saying, we work with companies like Gong and LeadIQ because they're within my realm, rather than saying we work with HP and Oracle because they are not. So in the same sense, like it has to be dead cert that this person receiving it at least has known in some capacity the company that you're going to reference and their content or their data or whatever it is. Even better, like if it's Salesforce and you're talking to a sales leader, probably they use Salesforce. Even better, you know, obviously they know who that is and they're like, yeah, I get that. I trust that. Maybe I knew about that report or whatever it is that you're referencing, but I didn't know that thing that you're referencing. That's the one thing to be a little bit careful of because that's, you know, you're treading water a little bit if you go down the hole, like, you know, if you're trying to oversell that as well, if you say it's one thing to have like the good research and to know exactly what you're talking about, it's another thing to like go into huge detail about it. And when people do that, it kind of cast out in my mind too. So if it's something like David emails me, are you aware that new 10 bound data on the ABC report, which has a 15 word name, and it's on page six, it talks about this thing on the 37th line in the fifth word. I'm like, whoa, this is way too much. Just tell me that 10 bound data says this. I don't know with you, but you know, if, if you're overselling it, yeah, loses the um. Exactly. Yeah. So if you know about 10 bound and that's relevant to who you are and you trust that data source, boom. Okay. You build up some trust. So, you know, for other people, if you're going after the cybersecurity industry and, and it's a niche and people are interested in the Gartner, you know, IT report on that, then there you go. It serves the same kind of purpose. But like you said, if I get something that's talking about the magic quadrant from something that's completely irrelevant to what I'm trying to do, then yeah, that might be the end of reading the email right there. Yeah. I don't necessarily want the digital transformation report from Forrester, though as interesting as it might be, it's a long way away from me, really. Yes. So and it whilst, goes whilst it might be valid. Problems. Yeah. I mean, you've got a list of problems that you really need to take care of, you know, today, tomorrow, next week, and next month. And if digital transformation is not one of them, then I got to move on because I got to fix this. So there you go, man. That's my five frameworks. Yeah. Wow. That was super valuable. You know, I think, you know, everybody, if you haven't seen those or maybe you haven't used them recently, circle back and, you know, review some of the ones that made the most sense. Ollie, thank you so much for sharing those and all the research that you put into it. Anytime, man. It was an absolute pleasure. And if anyone wants the slides to take a proper look at it and read the example and see the labeling, just hit me up. I'll share them. Yeah, absolutely. Best way to connect with you. I know you're on LinkedIn for sure. Yeah, I'm lucky to have a bit of a weird name. So there's probably not too many others with my name. Just put a little search and I'm probably the one at the top. Excellent. Well, thanks for coming on the Sales Development Podcast. My pleasure, man. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. 
If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.